Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast. Today, we are recapping chapter three of the book of Boba Fett in full spoiler detail. So if you have not seen that, I would get out now. And I'm here to the Danny Trejo to my rancor. It's Tommy Pizzullo. Tommy, how are you? So am I like your keeper? Like I'm, I'm the person I tell people about Michael. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, listen, like he's a gentle creature. If you really get to know him, uh, once you look in his eyes, if it's the first time, like he'll be bonded to you for life. Is that I'm just like the speaker for you, you know? That's why you're here. You're here to like prep the guests as they come in. And speaking of guests, we have a great one here today. We have Connor from the ConCon's Cantina podcast. Connor, how are you? Look, guys, I just changed my actual job, okay? Previously, I was a podcaster. Now I am a full-time water monger, guys. I am selling the best water that you can possibly get. We're not talking smart water. We're not talking Dasani, okay? We are talking the finest of cantina water that I am distributing at the highest prices. But, unfortunately, there is a band of kids that should have come from another planet that is stealing all my water. But we're going to get to that. Connor, uh, I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm a big fan of your podcast, but for the people that don't know who you are, I want to give you the chance to kind of introduce yourself to the audience and tell them what you're about. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, first and foremost, thank you guys for having uh, me on the podcast. Very much appreciate it. Hi, guys. I'm Connor, a.k.a. It's ConCon, and I am part of ConCon's Cantina. Uh, we are also a Star Wars drinking podcast, and we have new episodes that come out every Monday, and we cover all Star Wars canon and non-canon. Well, awesome. Uh, well, Connor, I want to get to like, uh, like, what have you been thinking about this series as a whole? Like, I guess I'll, I'll go first. Like, of course, like, I'm sure, like, I don't know a single person that didn't like The Mandalorian, um, but I'm hearing a bit more mixed things on this series. So I'm kind of, I'm curious where you stand. Uh, I, I do like all Star Wars. All Star Wars has its place. Um, after episode three, uh, this was probably my lowest rated episode of the three so far. Um, I did enjoy episode one. I said seven out of 10 really, really enjoyed episode two. I said nine out of 10 this one. I'm kind of going like six or five out of 10. You know, it had a lot of nice things that are happening. I think one thing that the show is suffering from though right now is, uh, we're spending a lot of time on tattooing and that was kind of be to be expected. Right. But when you look at like cinema or TV shows as a whole, when a whole story is taking place in one or two places, which in this case it, it's Mos Espa or Jabba's Palace, it really, really slows down the plot. So if the plot isn't moving at a fast, even faster than it should be because you're not going to new places, it really slows down the show. Um, not in a negative way. I just think that it is the way that it is, is I think that because of drama with, staffing and, and actors for Mandalorian season three, and then Pedro going and doing the last of us. I, I kind of think that Disney was like, okay, look guys, bring it in. We need somebody right now to do a show in like a week. And Robert Rodriguez was like, I'll do it. What do you got? And they're like, Boba Fett. And he's like, okay, that's just what I think. Not that it's bad. It's just what I think, but that, that wraps it up for me. Because it's vacuum, right? It's three episodes. Yeah. No, that's a yeah. really good point that you make. It's something I didn't really consider being like an issue with the show, but I think it totally is. And especially compared to like 
any other Star Wars, every single movie, uh, The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, Rebels, all of these series, they're like, it's like, a, it's about adventure and travel and like going from planet to planet and like meeting new and different species from across the galaxy. Like that, that's always been the theme of Star Wars. And it's a little weird that we're like stuck in like this, uh, like political drama, basically, of, of, of this series. So it is, it's a different pace. Um, Tommy, what did you think about this episode in particular? Yeah, I I actually liked this episode and mainly for the fact that um, it focused on a plot. Like, I feel like I kind of know where we're going now for the future episodes. And I didn't feel that from the first two. I kind of, I kept looking at my, you know, looking at myself, I guess, and be like, what are we doing here? Like, this is cool. Seeing Boba's back is cool. All this is fun. But like, what's, what's the meat of this? And it's, I think what you said, and I've heard it from everyone basically who's been watching is it's slow. This has been a really slow build. Um, I'm hoping, you know, the stuff that we learn in this episode, the Pike stuff, uh, is going to lead and hopefully, uh, increase the roller coaster. I hope, I hope we're just like on the, 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 uh, the hill of the roller coaster, right? We're just like, we're getting pumped and then in four, five, six, we're going to like really jump into it. Uh, but I thought the episode was fun. Like we got some, like I said, I feel like we've, we've gotten, uh, threads that I can see going farther down the line. Completely fair. Um, well, how about we start to dive into this episode more scene by scene here, and we open again. We're back at we're back in uh, Jabba's palace, and Eight D Eight is the droid's name. He he's briefing them, and uh, he kind of sets up like uh, I guess I almost feel like this is stuff that we maybe should have gotten earlier. But like he really breaks down like how Tatooine or Mos Espa is working in general, right? Um, we learned that Bib Fortuna has been lining the pockets of the mayor. And uh, he also, here, I got the notes here. It's the city is divided up amongst three families, which are the Trandoshans, the Aqualish, and the, Lord have, help me. Uh, Latonians. The there you go. Thank you, sir. The dog, uh, the dog people. They live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is this? Does this uh, tell you anything, Connor? Well, what do you think of this? Is, uh, is this going to amount to anything? So, you know, we saw in the trailer um, a, a big, like, quote that we got was that, Everything that we saw in these trailers was from the first episode. Well, that's already not been true. Um, maybe that quote was taken before we received all the TV spotlights. Now that we, we've already spoke about the Pikes a little bit, so not to completely skip to the end of the episode, but now that we know that the Pikes are involved, you know, we're going to obviously see these three families come together with Boba to take back their city. Cause if they don't, the, you know, the Pikes are going to take over. Um, you know, I just, I really liked the Trandosians and Mandalorian and these Trandosians, they look a little bit different. They don't look as, um, uh, uh, uh real via VFX. They look, uh, more, uh, digital. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, how they do the most out of all of them. Yeah, and uh, again, I'm I'm ringing the Bosk drum all all like every week at this point. But I would love to see like if we can get Bosk back into this. Uh, Tommy, I skipped over this. I want I want to get to your. I, I I was I learned about this uh, recently. Uh, it it was the opening shot. We see like the spider like creature. Uh, do you know anything about this, Tommy? I don't. Please please inform me. They're called brainwalkers. And what <laughs> they are, it, you might have seen. It's got like this red bulb underneath the spider and it like carries it around but basically these guys were monks and a way to like isolate their mind is they they extracted their brain and put them into these little spiders and now they just like roam tattooing what do you think of that 
think it's really interesting. I think there's a there's a D and D monster that's very similar to that, Michael, just to push you to the, to join me in that world. An- another funny thing is these monks. Their monastery is was actually Java's palace. So when Java came from Nalhutta to could take over Tatooine, he kicked all of them out and took their monastery. But he liked the way that they looked, so he let them stay. That's cool. That's cute. I, I, I'd probably be the same. Yeah. As much as like being on Tatooine, I agree with you that it's been like a lot. But it's cool to get some of this stuff. And I, I, I do like the crime family. It honestly feels very like we just got out of Hawkeye, but it feels very much like we're we're back into the grit. Now we're in the grit of Star Wars. Now it's the gritty uh, crime family lifestyle. Um, but this opening, I, I agree with you. I always feel like, except for a couple of things, honestly, this could have been the first episode. There's not much from the first two that weren't answered in this episode. This could have been the start. And then we just go forward from here, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 curious. We'll get to like some of like the plot, like the plot plot like takes a heel turn at, at some point in this. But yeah, I'm interested to dive into that. But we also let's stop down here because uh, Connor, I'm sure you're gonna have. Uh, you mentioned uh, you want to talk about like some of the cameos here, or or at least some of the actors that came in. Stephen Root. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big Stephen Root guy. He comes in. He he's our water monger here, and uh, he's tired of these pesky kids stealing his water supply. What'd Look, guys, I I have another confession. I was the watermonger, and then he came in, and he actually he actually ran me out. I'm actually uh, in in Mos Eisley now. Is oh, is what okay. happened? So, but anyway, I I, I loved it. Um, I heard some people not like it because they immediately thought that it was too comical, and they were like, "Oh, that's that's Marvel's uh, arena," you know, being like that slapstick. But I think that Star Wars needs more slapstick. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind it when we when we get a little cute with the, some of the stuff, uh, you know, like I grew up on the prequels, you know, like for better or for worse. It's kind of inbred in me that like Star Wars has a better humor to it. So I'm not upset with that at all. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Stephen Root's character, the watermonger, he wants him to solve this issue with uh, these street thugs. So Boba goes, Tommy, I want to get I'm excited to like talk about this with you because this has been something we kind of been tracking um, he, he's going to go talk to the street gang and he's basically going to end up recruiting them, which is just about as big of a crime Lord decision that he's made. Like, I know we've talked about, like, he's not a, like, he, what has he done? He's not a crime Lord. Like what fan, like they say he's a head of a family. What family he has no family with the Gamorreans, his kids, like doesn't make any sense. But I feel like now we're finally getting into the point where like, he's actually making like real mob boss decisions. And uh, I loved all this. Yeah, and he actually seems like he's capable. It seems like he was kind of going through the motions in the first two. And like this episode, with this and even the Tuscan Raiders stuff, both things kind of show how he he tried this once. It didn't work with the Tuscan Raiders. And now, you know, uh, and now now we're seeing that like, no, he may know a thing or two. And I, I did like how he handled this, that instead of he found a way, instead of just fighting, he he's like, hey, if you, if the problem is you don't have work. Come work for me. I could use people. I only got, you know, not that two men and and about the hundred. That's all I got so far. Yeah, I mean, from the Tuscans, you know, it's it's obvious. And as we get further in the episode, you know, Boba has learned unity that he never had before. Really, you know, the last bit of unity that we see Boba have is whether it's in Clone Wars or Rebels when he's running around with the other bounty hunters. And so now he finally has another family to call his own, and he learns that you need people to have your back. So I didn't. I thought the conversation should have been a little bit more aggressive with Boba when, when he meets the, the, you know, the street gang, um, you know, nice guy Fett and nice guy Boba as everyone's, you know, referring to him as, but, um, I did like the, you know, he he's, he's, he's a job creator now. 
Yeah. He attacked. He was he was mean to the watermonger. So you better watch out. He might come for you and start, uh, you know, being like, "No, I'll take your water for half the price. Don't want you worry about it." But yeah, no, exactly. I, did anyone else also feel that the this bike gang, they felt like they were kind of they didn't feel like they fit in Star Wars. It's like they took them from like a steampunk world and were like, "All right, we're bringing you into Star Wars now." Well, I'm of two minds on this, right? Okay, so. Like first and foremost, like it doesn't look like they belong on Tatooine at all. Like I like I saw a lot of hate for like the colored bikes and everything, but like I don't think that's anti Star Wars. I just think it's anti Tatooine, if anything. But what I do like also is like I feel like there's a lot more to learn about these guys. Like it's not even just the bikes. It's like they they have like this like posh style, right? They look like they've come from like the upper levels of Coruscant, right? Like uh, I, I feel like there's more about these guys and like. I kind of like that, even if we don't actually learn it. That's true, because like the line where the guy's like, "I paid a lot for this eye," like, and you were you were in debt for water, then I guess sell your eye. But I don't want to, you know. I, listen, who am I yeah, to I push someone that. to sell their own pros, you know, prosthetic uh, <laughs> uh, eye? But Connor, what did yeah. you think of the gang? Yeah, I mean the the gang. Um, I, I didn't I didn't have a problem with the gang. The setting of the gang is what was wrong, right? The bikes are. I actually really liked the bikes. If you look at the 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 sand gang that we have with that that boba steals the speeders from right those swoop bikes are inspired of like um uh big sissy bars on motorcycles right so that was cool to see world real world inspiration and then when we have uh this new gang their bikes reminded me of like uh boza zuko which is a japanese uh, car style thing which are super obnoxious like super big tailpipes and star wars obviously has always had japanese influences so i think it was done extremely on purpose but the bikes were way too shiny things do not last that long in tatooine they looked too good we need we needed to see us what a sandstorm will do to these bikes but besides that I, I didn't mind yeah yeah no and not to mention um another another person that i love to death here uh sophie thatcher plays like the lead um biker chick she is in yellow jackets which i recommended uh last week or the week before um she's really great in that she's just about the coolest person you could get for star wars so i uh, loved her in this see this is what michael does the audience listen he he gets his recommendations multiple times just feeling like oh yeah by the way this actress she's also in yellow jacket go check it out <laughs> just right. note well, it here guys <laughs> tommy spoil alert for my recommendation later it's very much connected to this episode oh so. my gosh <laughs> yeah I, I really enjoyed her i will say that the garb for her in particular was too worldly okay it was, it was too worldly. She was literally going to a post hardcore show at house of blues. Um, it was, it was, it was a little too worldly. Uh, the robotic arm was good. I think we could have gotten a little bit more emphasis on who had what, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I've been told that you have robotic parts or whatever. And she's like, you know, and she, you know, shows her arm and that kind of thing. Fair. And I guess we'll get to some of the stuff later, but like there's some of like we see some of like the Android attachments in action. I'm like, uh, what was actually the point of you having this uh, <laughs> this upgrade, I guess. But anyways, we'll get to that later. Um, let's go to uh, our our flashback here. Uh, we get back in the back to tank and um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of notes here, uh, but he he's going to he's going to visit the Pikes, right? And we find out that there's like some uh, conflict with this gang still. Um, 
if I, if I skip over anything, stop me. But I, I guess my big question about the entire flashback as a whole is, um, I, I don't know. I guess, like, I don't even know what I want to ask. I, I guess the question is, how big is this gang, this biker gang? Uh, Tommy, what do you think? The other yeah. gang, not the street street kids. <laughs> There's so many gangs in this. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, part of the flashback, right? the intriguing part of this is his connection to the pikes, you know, and this game, but yeah, how he specifically mentioned in that conversation, like there's more of us of the Tuscan Raiders. Like that's, this gang is, is puny, but like, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was bigger. And like, I obviously we're going to see them in the future, right? Like that's the whole setup is that like the pike and the pikes, which we know are coming. And then probably this gang is still there. Like they're heavy, right? Like this is, this is their, uh, this is their crew that takes care of business for them. Um, which I think is like now that makes the Tuscan Raider flashback feel more important to me because like if if his relationship with them is now like relationship with the Pikes came from that and like we get to see how that influences the future now I'm okay with it like it, it makes more sense than just like all right let's see him bond with the Tuscan Raiders for a while. Um, I liked the part. Uh, one thing that that we missed is the slowest form of transportation on a movie screen ever. Riding a bantha, a twenty minute walk is actually a forty minute bantha ride. If you guys didn't know, uh, but right when he gets into the city, uh, did you guys notice that we see uh, Pelimoto from Mandalorian? So she's walking, you know, right there in the background, which was super cool. Yeah, and like, so this is, uh, I didn't catch that. I saw it later on Twitter, which is mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, I love those little, uh, like, the thing that I'm probably never going to catch, but it's in there anyways. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I was, I, I really had to, like, start to think about, like, the timeline here. I started to get a little confused because I was like, okay, um, because we obviously, we see um, them putting the Stormtrooper heads on spikes, or the helmets at least, and uh, that, was a, that was a shot that we saw the, in The Mandalorian. And again, I'm just I was like, it took me a second of like, like I'm, I was getting a little lost in the timeline here. I was like, does this, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, has Mando been here yet? I don't know. How long has he been with the Tuscans? Uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, maybe this isn't very Star Wars-y when it comes to flashbacks, but uh, I wouldn't mind like a uh, five years ago, you know? <laughs> like I would... they, they, they really, they really need it. Um, because a lot of people, not to say that they're not paying attention, but they're probably just not into it as much as we are, right? And what's happening is we start with Star Wars, and then Star Wars goes back, and then Star Wars goes forward, and then Star Wars takes one step back, then they go forward again, then they take three steps back, but now oh, we're right back in the middle. And, you know, more of a casual watcher is like, they don't know that this is five years after Return of the Jedi. They don't know that this is maybe even possibly two weeks or three weeks. Like it's hard to determine how the time of period that this actually is after Mandalorian. Is it a week? Is it six months? Like we really don't know. And I do think that that's important. Yeah. So um, Tommy, anything else here from uh, we see? Okay. How about this? I'll touch on this. Boba Fett like cried a little bit. I didn't think we get Boba Fett cry. He, he shed a tear there when he was, uh, he was lighting his buddies on fire. Yeah, he got really sad, and this was like a an intense scene in a way, but like it didn't it didn't feel like it got. But it's like it was intense, and it's like I think it's also like I said, it's his lesson, right? It's it's a lesson of you tried one way, and it look what happened. You made things worse, and I I want to 
I just feel like it's not that much different than he is now. And I almost wanted there to be more growth. Like I want him to be a crime boss at this point, like and feel like a crime boss. And at times he does in the future, in the present, not in this uh, flashback, but in the, but I feel like that's what the, the flashback is setting up. And specifically this. Yeah. It was like kind of sad. Like I, I, I felt it when he was coming back from the pikes. He's like, don't worry, we got him. And he's going back and like, Oh no, what's going to happen to these Raiders. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be honest. It was hard for me to see Boba beat all these guys up at Tossie station single-handedly. And then he comes back and they wiped out the whole village. But one thing that uh, Justin and myself are really, really hoping for is that the main Tuscan chick got away because we don't see her. We see the staff of the chieftain. We see the chieftain on the ground and we also see the stick of the little kid. Uh, but we don't see any ties to her. Um, that was, you know, I would, consider that his closest confidant. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the Tuscans will get paid off by her showing up later. That's just a hope of mine. We'll see though. Yeah. I, I, that, that's a good point. I guess my only, the only reason I might doubt that is like, why hide that from us at this point? Like, why wouldn't he make a comment about like, Oh, this isn't everyone or, you know, like, I feel like, uh, uh, I, don't, I feel like he would acknowledge that, but I guess it was a pretty quiet scene in general. So maybe yeah. it doesn't matter, but, um, with that being said, I want to talk about this. And Tommy, I ragged on the back to tank scenes a little bit. Like, why do we always have to go to the back to tank for flashbacks? But I will say it paid off really well here because um, this, when we jump back, I genuinely, I like jumped out of my seat when I saw uh, Kersantan pulling Boba. And I watched the episode twice. And the first time I jumped out of my seat, and then the second time it got me again. Like, this is like the, this is like the first jump scare in Star Wars that has gotten me like this. Uh, Tommy, what did you think about uh, Chrysanthemum showing up here? I thought the 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 fight here was hype. Like, yeah, I thought this was really cool. I thought they made uh, Chrysanthemum look like cool and look like a good bounty hunter. I felt like they handled him a little poorly later on uh, and didn't love that stuff going forward. But I thought this was cool. Like when he's got him and you see the feet dangling, I'm like, oh no, this is intense. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really cool fight scene. Yeah, he was doing the bear hug on Boba and uh there's actually a scene where I swear it looks like Tamora straight up broke his toe like he was flexing out his toes so hard it really looked like he messed up one of his toes like filming or something it was I really liked it I think that this is uh, this is like the Wookiees that we saw on Kashyyyk and Revenge of the Sith like times 10 they did so good with how Black Chrysanthemum looked he looked really really good yeah and we get like his like knuckle dusters here that like uh <laughs> <laughs> like electrolyze and uh but yeah we it, it's cool again like um boba making smart decisions he has this biker gang come help him out here and uh, they're fighting and um also the gamorreans show up and chrysanthemum just takes both of them out which i thought was like that's a good way to showcase his strength right there like just tackling two gamorreans um but yeah so uh we, we get all this and then uh they lead him into the main throne room and uh he's conveniently standing over the pit there and uh fennec drops them into the rancor arena area so um i i don't know um i guess i just i and this might be jumping ahead a little bit but tommy do you expect we see uh chrysanthemum again in the series i hope so i i thought there was an easy plan to keep him around uh and they didn't go with that i i i think it's such a big reveal, right? Like it was a big deal when he showed up for people who know the lore and know, know, know of him. 
And so I think to just have him as a one-off, just like show up for a couple episodes, I think that does it a d- disservice. Like what was the point of bringing him back if you're just doing it for that little bit? I, I think it, he has to be more involved in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and then I guess the other question off it, how did you guys feel about how involved the, the Viking is and everything? It really feels like this episode was like, hey, we want you to like the Viking. So we're going to have them really help Boba out in a lot of situations in this episode. So it's like, they're useful guys. Don't worry about it. They're definitely going to be useful to Boba. <laughs> I th- I thought it was cool because like the first thing that Boba says to the main girl is he's like you know I'll admit you have guts right this chick just pulls out a stiletto and immediately stabs this giant Wookiee right so like and and to the Gamor like he goes after the Gamorreans so that to me that was like oh Chrysanthemum realizes the Gamorreans are more of the threat he goes after them and then at the end this was the thing to your comment about the payoff that we hope that we get more of of BK. It's really weird. We get the Gamorreans, right? Boba, you get a job. And then we have the gang. You get a job. And then we have Black Chrysanthemum. And he's like, later. Yeah. It sounds back that way. I was like, what? What? Like, is it a budget thing? Like, I got to think of a real world explanation. Because everybody that comes along, Boba's like, here, have a job. And then we have a big giant Wookiee who he has a history with and that's it. Yeah. And it's, uh, we, we get like, uh, jump into the end here. Like they mention like a Pike army, right. And they have to be prepared for war. Right. And like, again, uh, thus far, it kind of feels like he's building up his army a little bit. It's a small little, uh, litter if you will. But, um, yeah, you could really use if, if you're preparing for war, that's a Wookiee. I want on my side. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, so we also, we'll, we'll jump to the, the hut twins here. They show up, they bring a gift. Um, and I, this felt like, uh, I, I didn't really buy into this either. And this is like, uh, where a lot of more of my complaints come in with the story. And I guess it, it's more dependent on where it goes from here. Um, I'll be really annoyed though, if this is the end of the hut twins, it feels really dumb if it is. So I don't think it is, but, um, yeah. So they send black chrysanthemum to come kill Boba and like, it doesn't work. So they immediately give up and just give him a gift and leave. Like it just felt way too easy. I don't know. And one more, sorry, Tommy, one more thing. I know you got something to say. Um, the, 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 the female hut twin, she makes a comment about how war is bad for business which is interesting because she also said that blood is bad for business in episode two, and yet they still try to kill him. So I think they have an agenda here, but I don't know. Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think so. in the episode they mentioned it, it's like, yeah, I think it's clear that the Huts, because they also supplied him with a rancor. They clearly want to boost his side a little bit so that they can take each other out. That's the Huts' whole plan. So I, I definitely think we'll see the twins more. I think it very much, there's at least right now, there's three parties that we need to focus on. It's the Pikes the Boba and the Huts, And I think the show is specifically trying to make us not focus on the Huts. Like I think the show is trying to pull them away so that when it's revealed that they're like puppeting a little bit, I think that's my hope. Cause I, and I'm saying this not from a point of, I know it's more so I'm with you. I hope. Cause I think if the Huts just really quickly were like, Oh, we tried once and we know. So cause again, to go with your point of time, it was like they captured him. And then two seconds later, the Huts showed up with like, it was very quick. I felt like, uh, obviously, I can suspend my disbelief that there is more time in between, but uh, uh, I felt like, yeah, the huts have to show up again, right? Yeah, suspension of disbelief is a huge thing, and uh, I'm glad that you say that. That's a big thing with myself, too. 
because uh, I said the exact same thing that Michael said. I was like, this seems way too convenient. Like, they send BK to kill him, and then they're like, oh, sorry. Justin pointed out that they specifically say that they sent BK and immediately after they found out that they were being lied to. So that's why they were there so quickly with the Rancor was to apologize if he did survive and BK didn't kill him. Once again, it still is convenient. It didn't have an amazing payoff. I unfortunately do think that this is the last time we see the Huts. And the reason for that is if you think of the solo movie, when Dryden Voss is talking about all the crime syndicates, he talks about Black Sun, uh, the the Pike Syndicate. He, n- the Huts are like never mentioned. Like, yes, they're a, they're the Hut Cartel. They're big, but I don't think they're as big as a threat as Crimson Dawn, Black Sun. You know, all these other big crime syndicates. They don't hold this fragile alliance. They're they're the ones that'll tuck their tails and run. You know, because blood is bad for business or war is bad for business. That's that's their whole thing, in my opinion. Completely fair. Um, I, I think I think it could go either way here. Um, I hope because it's like why do why, why do all this if they're not coming back? Why why do we meet them? Why do they spend the uh, special effects money to create these awesome creatures and then bring bring in BK and I don't know. I just I will be very disappointed. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I I agree. I was just gonna say also pour pour some out for those people holding that throne. Why I would have listen if I wanted them, I would have said, hey, listen, uh, Mister and Mrs. Hut. I will send the message personally for you guys so we don't have to carry you over there and then carry you back. Like I'll, I'll go. I'll do it. Like, it's okay. And I, I mentioned last week, like, it's a long walk up to Java's Palace. Like, it's multiple football fields to get there. So um, here's the other thing. Like, I know that, like, it's probably not good to, like, kill huts, right? They talk about how they need permission. But um, it would be very easy to kill these people right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. I, Going off the the traveling though, like they really need to invest in like a monorail between this and this because like <laughs> multiple times, multiple characters are going back and forth and back and forth. Man, there's got to be an easier way for this. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't even have like Slave One. We don't have like a speeder. Like they literally just walk. So poor guys. They got to get their exercise, man. They got to cut those calories. You see all the food that Boba's eating at the palace, man. That's you got to you got to walk that stuff off, man. <laughs> true um okay but hey let's talk about this rancor uh connor i'm here i'm curious to hear what you think about this new addition to boba's palace i thought the rancor looked amazing i thought i think that all of the there are things that are obviously v uh, you know digital and there are things that are obviously being you know practical and I thought that all the digital stuff with the rancor was top notch i think the twins are also top notch i mean this is a tv show this is not a movie you know, so the 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 digital is is up there, and then inside the the pit where it's going to reside, that was obviously some practical effects, and it looked amazing. It, it looked really really good, and it's super smart too that they made the rancor dark to help with the illusion of making it look real. You know, it was, it was really good. I love the rancor. I want it to have a name. It needs a name. Yeah, yeah. The rancor was fun, and definitely also like. Now having watched Bad Batch, it does give you like a different feeling on on the, the rain cars and stuff. And like, I will say, you are Michael. You did bury the real star of of you know Boba's team now, Davy Trejo. It's part of it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so random, like so like random. it works so I, I well. It. it works loved so it. well. Loved yeah, loved it. Yeah, and to go back on the rain car real quick though, what I do think is interesting. Um, 
for Rancor, Boba, and the Tusken Raiders, I feel like there's a theme coming. And one of the things that I'm getting from, from those stories is like, don't judge a book by its cover. Like very much with all three of them and like multiple other things. Like it's like the, the, the misfit toys. And it's like, we're just going to, you know, the Rancor is just a killer. That's all. But it's like, no, they're, they don't have to be. They've just been trained to be. The Tusken Raiders don't have to be these, these black and white villains. It's like, I think that's very much what the show is about is like, these villains aren't just because that's how Boba was when he first, you know, from the original series, it was like he's just a bounty hunter and people loved it, but he didn't have depth to him. And now it's cool that they are giving uh, giving us feelings to these characters a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, Connor, do you know, have, have we ever heard about this this trick to like blind uh, a Rancor before? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, is this is this like an addition to this show? This this is new. Um the so i don't know that we've gotten this in canon but in eu rancors there's three different rancors and they come from three different planets uh the largest rancors are from felucia uh we actually learned that from the uh force unleashed games you fight a big giant rancor as star killer and those are the really really big ones this is where i think that the trick is coming in this is where this this long play by the huts to kill boba is coming in i think that there's something to the Rancor seeing Boba for the first time, and it's not to build a connection. But at the same time, if the end of this show doesn't happen with Boba riding that Rancor and just murking Pikes, I'm going to be upset. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get a comment from him saying that he's ridden Beast 10 times this size. And I was trying to think where we had seen this before. Is it the holiday special? Yes, yeah, that's, that's the only example. I, I could it think had of. to have been. It had to have been. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, great like, nod to it. He's, he's riding a dinosaur in the holiday special, so I, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's only, the only connection I can make. But hopefully, we get that. Maybe he'll ride a dinosaur, Michael. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> against the right core. That's a good point. I, I didn't consider that. I hadn't seen that anywhere. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense. Like my first thought is like maybe it's like a Trojan horse and there's like a bomb inside of him or something. But no, that makes a lot like why That's would he's sick and depressed? Yeah. Like if yeah. you're depressed and you're blindfolded and you open your eyes, the first person you see is not the one you're going to love, I wouldn't think. So Exactly. One thing that uh Danny was holding which was really cool is he was holding a short version of the prodded end of Mando's pulse rifle. And if you look in the Mandalorian visual dictionary, it's the same rod that um, uh, Holiday Special Boba had, and that that end pla uh, pulse part of the rifle is specifically designed for large beasts. So it was cool to see Danny's character have a small prodding version of it. That wasn't the the rifle end of it. It was it was the end of it, no doubt. For, you know, for the Rancor in case he needed it. Good point. I did not catch on that either. Um, but yeah, so ADH shows up back here and talks about how they can't get a meeting with the mayor for, I, don't, I can't remember how long it was, a week, but... Um, uh, 20 Boba, days. 20 days. <laughs> 20 days, yeah. Uh, Bo's not having this. He's, he's going to go show up anyway, so uh, we go we go back. We're going to meet the Major Domo again. My fa my favorite character in this, <laughs> in this series. So, so Apologies. <laughs> So my, okay, let me, Tommy's crazy corner, come with me. Uh, uh -huh. I don't think the mayor is the person we saw before. I think this is the mayor. I think he's the mayor the whole time. I think it's going to be a big, like, moment. Because, like, man, they're really showcasing him way more than the mayor is. They're like, he's such a big deal. He's so charming. I love him every time he pops up on my screen. It's so good. 
Well, I, I like to think of him as more of like a little finger character. Like he does have a lot of power and the fact that he is able to like cozy up to like the big bads and not necessarily have to have the the baggage of actually making tough decisions. And also I, I feel like they're kind of keeping the mayor more low key. And I think it's the Jaws thing. The less you see him, the more scary he is, which I really appreciate. Um, so I'm down. I'm kind of okay with them not showing him as much as they are because I really do like the mayor too. Uh, he's awesome. Um, but Connor, what do you think of this whole scene? Uh, I love the major major guy. Dude's absolutely hilarious. Uh, I love what they've done with Twi'leks and all new Star Wars. They look so good, all of them. Uh, Quinn and his sister and Mandalorian, and now the what do we have? What we're up to four new Twi'leks in this series. They all look really good. Uh, his mannerisms is uh, are hilarious. The costuming is amazing. Um, going back to the mayor stuff again, you know, to my earlier comment. I feel like it's the same episode over and over again. We find something out at Jabba's palace. We go see the mayor. We go back home. We go see the mayor, but we can continue on. Um, I do love seeing him more and more. And I love the idea of him actually being the mayor. Love that. Never thought of that. Yeah. My only other thought is maybe he could join Boba's team. It seems like Boba's handing out coupons other than to, to be gay, keep him out. But you know, everyone else can join Boba's team. Yeah. So, um, uh, obviously, Major Tom is a little worried here because last time didn't go too well. Boba's going to find his way in one way or another. So he says, let me go talk to the mayor. He goes in, and uh, obviously they follow him, and he has disappeared. And the, this is when we get our speeder bike chase sequence, which um, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Back to the Future 2 here. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I loved all this, this whole, uh, this whole sequence. I felt like, um, again, like it's not necessarily a problem with the biker gang. Um, I don't know. It just felt very campy to me. Am I, am I out of line here? 100% campy. Um, the problem is not the biker gang. The problem is not the chasing. The problem. Why was it four minutes? <laughs> why, why was it four minutes? It was so cool to see Boba jet down in front of him. We could have had a one minute chase scene. Boba jet down in front of him. He stopped the speeder. We still get the cool shot of her stopping her speeder bike. We could have cut out all of the, the linear shots that really took away the, the appearance of speed. And we could have had more of the, the quick shots and the wall rides that, cause that stuff was cool, right? You know, they were the jumps and going through stuff and them obviously showing that they can ride their, their bikes. Good. Um, it was just, it was way too long. It was way too long. So I saw I saw a comparison on the internet that this speeder that the major domo was driving was the same one that Han Solo uses in the opening of Solo, like it's the same style at least. And and in that, like the way they shot him using that speeder in Solo was so cool. Like he's like drifting, and you and again, like you get like the you get like the feeling that he's going so much faster. And um, I really I really thought that. Yeah, this felt a lot slower to me. And again, it went on like not only in like that it was four minutes, but like it didn't look as cool to me. Tommy, what do you think of all this? Yeah, I think that the the point of it's maybe a little too long. I think that's kind of where I I, I think it was cool, but I think there was a point where I'm like, all right, this either catch him or don't. Like let him escape or or or, or don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it all it, it almost would have made more sense if he got away because where does it go now that they got him like he tells them that he 
he them finding out that the mayor is meeting with the pikes doesn't avoid the end of the episode, which is all the pikes land on the planet anyway. You know, yeah. so him getting away would have almost made more sense. You know, he would have been a character that we, we you know, where kind of like what you said, a little finger. You know, he disappears. When now? When does this chess player come back onto the board? You know. Yeah, and that was my thought. I felt like a lot of points in this episode. I'm like, okay, we might be done with this character completely. Like, I, I don't see where else we go with the major demo. I don't see where we go with BK. The twins as well as up in the air. Like, I, and I, I feel like there are so many threads here. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, what? I, I guess it's like it's not a question of if anything will be picked back up, but it's like which ones. You know, what, where are we focusing at this point? Besides, we know the Pikes, but. It's like a lot of episode one and two. They were like, all right, you're done now. That's why I say this could have been the first episode. L listen, if you haven't watched yet, just watch this from now on. This is the first episode. Forget the first two. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like, it's like almost takes away from the moment of the pikes coming off too, because it's like when we already got there, like we already know they're coming and it's connected to the flashbacks. We're already putting that together before we even get that. And it's almost, to me, it's only so we can get this scene with Fennec and Boba because they need something to do with Fennec. In my, my opinion, that's the biggest disappointment for me is I just don't think they've done enough with her. Like, she just feels like she's there and not, like, actually a player on the field, you know? Who the hell is Fennec? Like, at this point, honestly, who is Fennec? Like, I don't know anything about this character. I really don't. She's cool. I like her action scenes. Um, we've we've gotten some stuff in Clone Wars and Mando, but at the end of the day, it's like, I really don't care about this character. I'm just going to be honest. I don't. Like, I need more. Yeah, I, I think that she had this cool advisor role that obviously they're trying to push, but unfortunately it's just, it's not coming off. Um, she seemed way more of a threat in Mandalorian. And that's kind of been a narrative of the show is it's like, I feel like they've been nerfed as characters for this show, but it has still only been three episodes. Um, one thing that I was hoping that they were kind of going to establish is in the EU. When Boba comes out of the Sarlacc pit, he actually develops a form of cancer from the Sarlacc and that's why he's so weak after he gets out and I was hoping that they would do something with that and maybe they will once again we're only three episodes in and that's why he needs the back to so much but she has unfortunately been a disappointment I still love the character love her style but she just hasn't she hasn't done anything I think your point about the nerfing is is really accurate because like even with Boba like we get Boba and Mandalorian and he's like doing so many crazy things and he comes in here has he has he won a fight on his own i feel like his, his groupies have to come in and help every single time and it's like it's the nature of any show right like you have to bring him down because we need we need growth in that way too but it, it does get uh, a lot when it's like man you took down a lot of people man doing a lot of like more impressive people than like some of these you know <laughs> Yeah, and I guess my thing is, and this is like a problem with a lot of like we see this in Marvel a lot, Tommy. A lot of the sh like shows, it's like uh, it, a lot of times. Like I guess my best uh, comparison most recently is like Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. A lot of times it's like, why are you two still together? Like, like just go on your way. Like who cares? Like, like uh, Finnick is a bounty bounty hunter, right? Boba had hired her, and but now she's just like along for the ride. Like, what is the job at this point? <laughs> like, uh, it's not bounty hunting. So. She she still owes him the life debt. Okay, that's you know fair. she that's you know that's a that's a huge thing in Star Wars. It's a huge thing with in, in the books. Um, you know we see it in Phantom Menace with the Gungans. It's it's a cultural thing for, throughout the universe. Um, you know you you made a Game of Thrones reference earlier, so I'll I'll make one too. One thing that GOT did very well is in the beginning of every episode, we got a preview to things that were going to happen from where we saw them, and we and we do get that in. Book of Boba Fett, but still, uh, it's 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 not enough. Like remembering 
just like you said, like, why is she here? You know, we could have gotten that little scene from the tragedy episode in season two, where she tells Mando, you know, he saved me in the sands of tattoo. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll get I, my thought with all these flashbacks we're getting at some point, we're going to see that conversation maybe. Cause like, I hear you about like, it's a star Wars thing. It, it doesn't, from what we've seen of her character in here and even in a little bit in bad batch, it feels like she's very much a loner. And like, I just want to see that change, that pivot in her character. And I feel like we're just told it off camera, but we haven't seen um, how her perspective has changed to now I am loyal to Boba from uh, what we saw before, where she really pl played for herself, it seemed a lot. I guess this is my other thing, Tommy. Again, talking about Hawkeye, that was six episodes. Like, I'm not like I, I have to like readjust and have my thinking in that. Like, we're not even halfway done with the series. It feels like it's gone on forever, uh, but it really hasn't. So, um, well, we got a lot more to go here. Um, just to touch on like the last final moments of this episode. Um, obviously, we get the Pike arrival. We get our little um, our robot eye dude hanging out, watching, camping out for these guys, and he reports back to Boba. Dumb joke here. Um, dumb, dumb joke when he talks about keeping an eye out. Um, <laughs> it's like, all right, I get it. I liked it. I liked it. I'll be honest. It. I liked it. Well, it's, I, yeah. I wonder if it's improvised. Part of me does think that it was like the, uh, Boba was just like the actor, uh, was like, you know what? Tomorrow I, Morris. Yeah. Tomorrow was yeah. like, I, you know what? I, I feel bad. Like he, in that moment was like, wait, this is, he, I say the eye line, but like he doesn't, yeah. he has one eye. Like I think it was, to me, it feels more improvised than an actual line they wrote, but. Like it's it's very cheesy to me, and actually it reminded me of uh, the comment that Vader makes in Rogue One, where he tells him not to choke on his aspirations, director, as he's choking him. Which I actually really liked that line, but I don't know why this one didn't work as well for me. Well, because Darth Vader being like a dad pun kind of like guy made sense <laughs> to me. Like <laughs> he's actually a dad, so he can yeah <laughs> yeah he can make the dad jokes. He's been saving all of them up since he can't he couldn't use them on his own kids. He's like, I gotta just get these in whenever. Yeah. I can. Yeah, Finnick, uh, Finnick alludes to war, though. I mean, so it's obvious to me now that war with the Pikes is is where the show is going. Um, this episode set up a lot of stuff. I I need a banger for episode four. I I need a banger. I need it. it I, I do not. I cannot deal with another like an arms dealer episode where we're like gearing up for war or something like that. I. I, I really need something to happen next episode. Well, and that's kind of what I'm worried about, Connor, because I don't, I'm not sensing that that, like, I feel like if, I feel like the good halfway point of this, of this series is right. Like they're preparing for war and um, they have nothing at this point that I, I feel like next episode is going to be very much like we have to like get our order in place here. We have to like find the right amount of people to help us. Like, I feel like we're getting another kind of like very political episode for better or for worse. Um, but Connor, I want to ask you this. Um, how are they going to go to war? Like, what is their army? Like, where, where do they go from here in order to, like, have any sort of uh, chance in a war? L let me uh, let me indulge a comment that you made earlier, because this is what I'm really hoping. First of all, they have nothing to go to war with. Nothing. Yeah. Unless he, you know, everyone, well, it, they're all dead. Unless other Tuscans know of Boba. And he gets Tuscans to fight along with him, which would be amazing. I've really enjoyed the Tuscans in the show so far. In Solo, when they're about to do the 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 train heist, Val mentions bringing in more experienced bounty hunters, Dingar, 
Bosk. Boba knows all of these people. So I would love to see some phone calls being made by Boba. You know, get on the little wrist come. You know, send out some some transmissions to people. That That's what I would like to see. You know, I don't think that those cameos would be bad in any way, shape, or form. I think that more casual watchers would be like, oh, that that's a cool lizard guy. Or, you know, Dengar be a complete BA. Oh, he's cool. And then the hardcore friends are like, oh my gosh, we get to see Bosk and Dengar in action. That That's what I'd hope. Because th- they don't have much else. Yeah, as long as we get Cad Bane, I'm down. <laughs> right, Tommy? Yeah, no, bring him back. <laughs> you always want him back. I, I think... For me, I want it to build up, and I, I, I agree with you. I want four to be something. I do think, like we're saying, there's no army. I honestly think the move is not to show the pikes here. Have the word like the pikes are coming. Have that come later. We see them in like the war starting. But this could have been Boa Fett's like tour to get allies, and he's you know, get him out of Tatooine so at least we feel fresh. But maybe he's going to other syndicates. Maybe he's trying to. Maybe it's the war of the syndicates. That's what I want. Like not just pikes. I want the war of the syndicates. Get them all in here. You know, like that's. I want that level of, of intenseness because right now I just I'm feeling none really. Like it's like they're like like the hut said. You're fighting for a planet like Tatooine. Like this this is the stakes we're we're putting on. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean that. Like I'm down for that. Like I don't like even you saying like a war of the syndicates like that. That like sparks some like can we get like a trilogy of movies about that? <laughs> like I don't want to, like don't shove it into this show. Like I need more room for something like that. That's so cool. Um and and not to bring up solo again, but we get a taste of it in solo, right? You know, Kira becoming, you know, the leader of Crimson Dawn, and then we have, you know, Dryden talking about the other syndicates and what it is that they do, and this whole underworld that could lead into this bigger picture of Star Wars really really could be something cool i do hope that this leads up into something or because we're not going to see kira right the timeline just doesn't fit you know like you can't have amelia clark you know come to you know x amount of years and and still be her but maybe we get a mention of it or maybe you know we just get mentions of the other syndicates which which would really be nice yeah, there's still been, I've heard a lot, I mean, what we've talked about on the podcast, I've seen speculation online, I feel like so many people are, and not like, I've never really bought into the Kira thing, but like, I guess like, just as much as I've heard it thus far, it's like, every single time, like when the twins showed up this episode, they're like, there's another syndicate that's more, I'm like, is this, like, is it happening? Like, uh, yeah. I, and I guess, I guess my thing is like, with Mandalorian, it's like, uh, how old is Bo-Katan? Like, Bo-Katan's supposed to be, like, what, like, 55 in that? Uh, yeah. Something? So it's like, I don't know, the, the timeline, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I don't even care, you know? Like, like if I if I really try to nitpick the timeline, I don't know, I'd probably be screwed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, okay, guys, that, that brings us to the end here. Um, uh, decent episode. I, I won't hate on it too much. Um, but how about we do some recommendations? Um, Tommy, do you have anything for us today? Uh, yeah, I have a recommendation. <laughs> uh, listen, you know what you should do? You should sit down and you should watch an episode of Full House in honor of the death of Bob Saget. That's my recommendation this week. I started rewatching a couple episodes in honor of him. And listen, it, it's it's very cheesy. It's it, as cheesy as you remember it. If you watched it as a kid, it's as cheesy. But there's some good gems in there. There's some good episodes. Okay. Uh, all right. I, I, I was a big Full House kid, so um, I don't think I've experienced oh. it in a long time. But I grew up with it, so um, 
Here, here's my recommendation, Tommy. You called me out on this earlier. I'm doing it again. We got Stephen Root in this episode, so I, it would be foolish of me not to plug my favorite TV show, Barry. Tommy, have you watched Barry? I have not. Oh, you got to. So I hear Barry, I hear Barry is awesome. Yeah, Barry's awesome. Stephen Root plays uh, Barry's like he's kind of like. Uh, uh, I don't know. He's not the bounty. He's the dude who hires the bounty hunter, basically. But this guy, uh, it's about a, it's about a hitman, and it's very funny. Like it's a very funny show. Um, I don't think you would necessarily, uh, ex- like it's kind of got like Breaking Bad vibes a little bit. You I know, remember, got, yeah, I remember yeah. Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're talking. Well, he's about. he's kind of like a, he's like a Dexter type character, right? Like he's he's a hitman. He tries to like he tries to have like a normal life. He's trying to be like an actor. Um, but at the set, so like there's a lot of comedy in that, but it's also very serious and it gets very dark as well, um, which I really like that just juxtaposition of themes. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, I highly recommend Barry. It's one of my favorite shows on HBO. So um, Connor, I'll throw it to you. What do you got for us? All right. My recommendation. A lot of people don't like the change of the, you know, the EU, you know, it's all gone and now we have new canon. If you're a book reader, and if you're not a book reader, if you do not have Audible, I do highly recommend Audible. No, it is not a sponsor. Absolutely love Audible. Read Star Wars Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. It is a point of view book of two characters. It is a uh, a book about two, uh, a male and a female. It is a young adult novel. Okay, so there's a love story there but it travels throughout the entire uh, events of the original trilogy. And it's from both of their point of views. And it is super, super good. It is my favorite Star Wars book. If you're looking for new canon and a different perspective on Star Wars, Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Movie or book is 10 out of 10. So like, I'm not like, I'm I'm definitely not a reader. I've definitely dove into my Audible, right? Like all the books that I've consumed has been through Audible. So I will also recommend Audible. Um, But like, especially when I was like, I don't want to read all of the books, but let me, let me like Google, like what are the best Star Wars canon books? Uh, Lost Stars has always been number one from what I've seen. I haven't, I haven't touched it yet. Um, I'm still trying to make it through uh, some of the High Republic stuff. Are you into the High Republic, Connor? Yes. uh, I just started book two. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of book one. It took about five hours for it to really get going. Um, book two has been really good. Book one ended very, very well. I really much enjoyed it. Um, the, the, there's two Thrawn trilogies now. Uh, both are, both are amazing. Both are worth the credits. Both are very much worth, uh, reading. And that, that's something that Star Wars fans really need to be thinking of is with the Ahsoka show coming, and Thrawn obviously being a big part of Ahsoka, Disney has put the resources and money to canonize six books about Thrawn. So he is going to be a huge deal in the Ahsoka show. So if people don't know who he is, if they didn't know who he was in the EU, he is the same level of badassery that he was in the EU as he is in new canon. Those are also really, really good too. Well, cool. Uh, Connor, thank you so much for that. Um, I also I want I want to give you the chance here as we wrap up. Um, one more time, uh, tell the audience where they can find you in particular, but also the podcast and whatever else you're up to. 
Guys, uh, you can find me on Instagram at itsconcon, I-T-Z-K-O-N-K-O-N. I do a lot of uh, photography and a little bit of videography um, on my personal Instagram. And then the uh, podcast that me and my friend Justin do is called ConCon's Cantina. And we have new episodes every Monday and we uh, we cover all Star Wars and we're big into uh, drinking, not in a bad way. Uh, but we, we always drink on the show. We rate the beer. We try to do local brews and, uh, we've done two shows now at a local brewery, uh, where we, you know, we talk to the brewers about where they get their inspirations for their beers. And then we also talk about star Wars with them. So it's, it's, it's a good time. Are there any star Wars beers out there? That's what I'm wondering. Um, Oh dude, a a ton. Uh, (laughs) I feel like you're the man to ask. Yeah, so this is my beer fridge back here, and uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture because okay. obviously I can't get the camera, but I'm looking at one. It was a local brewery. It's called uh, Darth Malt Legs, okay. and it's actually Darth Maul with his robotic legs sitting next to um, Tom Hanks as, uh, of course, his character's escaping me, Forrest Gump, sitting go. next to Forrest Gump on a bale of hay, and they both have like their leg rigs on. <laughs> Uh, and that was a that was a dark malt porter, which was really good. Um, and yeah, there's that. There's definitely some some. Yeah, there's some good. There's a place here in Central Florida called Hourglass, and they do a ton of Star Wars beers. I mean, probably once every three months or so, they come out with a Star Wars beer. There you go. Um, well, cool. I, I, I like. I know we we've kind of talked about it. Uh, I look forward to coming on your show at some point, and yes. uh, I, I will be sure to bring brews along as well to join along. But uh, I, yeah, so I, I also just, I want to double down on, uh, to let you guys know that like, I genuinely enjoy your podcast. Like, I feel like Thanks, I, man. I, listen, I appreciate it. I listen to a couple different podcasts and like, some are like very informative, which is nice. And some are very just goofy, which is nice. But I feel like you guys have like the perfect mixture of like, you know, everything that you're talking about. And then you're also having like a lot of fun at the same time, which is kind of like, I think Tommy, what we strive for a little bit, like we want to be knowledgeable, but we also want to have a good time. So um, 100%. Yeah, I really enjoy it. So guys, please check out ConCon's Cantina. Um, But with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close this out here, but not without a couple thank yous to Ethan Kellum, who does our music and then Ethan. Oh, wait, no, Lord. Um, I, Tommy, I don't usually mess this one up. I won't even edit it out. Everyone can see, okay? It's Aaron Robertson who does our music and Ethan Callum who did our logo. Um, I also like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. You can do that now. Um, uh, we've You guys came in clutch with a lot of reviews, so if you keep those coming, man, it's it's really helpful in the early days. Yeah, um, do what you for- Go yeah. ahead, Tommy. I was just going to say, those that are holding out, you cowards, do it. Yeah. You yeah. won't. <laughs> 54 reviews you guys are up to that's really really good wait what what you guys are up to yeah 54 reviews on uh, on itunes yeah oh on itunes yeah i thought you meant uh spot we let's get let's get spotify there guys Uh, i think we have 15 on spotify so uh if we get up there on uh uh on spotify too i don't know what do we do tommy if we can get to 50 spotify reviews what do we do there uh, we will reenact a scene from Boba Fett. <laughs> okay. <all right. laughs> Sounds good. Um, hopefully it's the Rancor scene. <laughs> Are you the Rancor yeah. or am I the Rancor? <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure that one out. Um, but uh, also please subscribe. Um, that helps you be updated with every podcast we come out with weekly. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod. And we also have a little Discord community. So if you're interested in that, you can message us on social media to get that stuff. Um, and uh, that's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. Peace.